We are in Job 38, the end. We cut off, um, as we said last week, um, verse from verse 39 really kind of more belongs if you're if you're placing it probably with the next chapter as he leaves talking about um, kind of what we would call the inanimate creation, and he's going to move into the discussion of the animal kingdom. Uh, God is challenging Job uh, and asking him questions. Uh, last week we talked about how God had, uh, uh, or Job had kind of set up the, the situation. I, I, I want to I trial with you, God. I, I, wanna, I, I want all these answers. And, um, and in his irony, what God says when he comes to trial with Job is he gives Job questions. He does not give him any answers. He gives him questions, says, no, I want answers from you, buddy. Uh, so uh, we're going to kind of go through these um, and, and look at why. What, what does each, as he mentions each of these animals, what, what, is, the, what is the point of these? So we're going to kind of take these in, in sections. Verse uh, 38 through 41 of chapter 38, he says, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lurk in their lairs to lie in wait? Who provides food for the raven when its young ones cry to God and wander around for lack of food? And so uh, we're going to kind of go through these. Um, I want to say quickly, but we're not going to spend a, a ton of detail on, on every statement here. They're general uh, uh, this is poetry, and so a couplet is kind of there to produce one thought. Um, what is, if you look at this, what, what is he driving at as he talks about, you know, can Job, here's his question, can you provide food, uh, like the lions or the ravens, or what, what quality of God is he, is he trying? This is a description of me, right? God has done all these things. He's a creator. What is he trying to to impress Job with. How does God provide food for the lions or the ravens? I guess that would be the first question. Okay. So, so ravens are a scavenger bird. Uh, lions, not so much. I mean, they, they will, if they, you know, something else kills something, they'll chase them off. But how does God provide food for the young lions? Okay, it's hunted. How does that say anything about God? Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wild, wild world of animals wasn't in existence back then. I don't know what they are now. Animal planet or whatever they are now. I don't know. Uh, that was the one when I grew up. Um, and uh, but but I mean, the lions don't come out and uh, and a gazelle sitting there, you know, it's like, do you want this rare, medium? How do you want this, right? But God has provided 
the system of instinct. It, it, you, you watch these videos and, and you see a, a, a cub, right? And, and they're barely out. I mean, a, a bear, you know, they give birth actually in, in hibernation, right? And it's interesting. They come out of the den for the first time and they're barely out and they're trying to hunt things. And they're, they're months old and they're, you know, they, they might find a, a little animal of some sort and they're playing more with it, but they're hunting, right? Uh, they're learning these things by instinct. No one's taught them. Right? Or they're trying to fish or whatever the, these animals are doing. They do it by instinct. And this is what God said. He, who trained these people to do this? Who trained these animals? God had a system. He's like, I've just done this. Um, okay, move on to chapter 39. And if, if you have anything to add, certainly jump in or, or questions or whatever, and, and, and we'll... we'll Address those as we go. Uh, verse 1 through 4, he says, Do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? Can you number the months that they fulfill? Do you know the time when they bear young? They bow down, they bring forth their young, they deliver their offspring, their young ones are healthy, they grow strong with grain, they depart and do not return to them. Now, this is an interesting question. Do you know? Do you know when the young ones give birth and all this, all these systems? Do you know? You don't. Do you know when? Don't don't don't. All right, all right. Yeah. So so we kind of we we know when like there's okay. This is when they're in rut. We're gonna go hunt, right? We kind of know that now. So so what's the point? We can kind of tell when this is the season when they're born. This is when they're not born. Now he's talking about some animals way up on the mountain or whatever. I don't know. Maybe Job doesn't have access to that information. So what is the what is the idea? What is impressive about that? If, if mankind can kind of generally figure out some things, is there a contrast between animals and man here? Okay. How do we deal with human? I mean, we know nine months, and what's the process for us? Yeah. Think about the process for humanity. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, and so there's there's certainly that, and he and he talks about that even in this chapter. He's going to get into some of that. Um, we we I mean we go to Kalamaz class and we do all these things and try to study and we don't. We're dumb, really. In the animal kingdom, as far as it, as it pertains to childbirth, we're the dumbest thing going. These, these animals do it instinctively. They don't, they don't take ultrasounds and try to figure out everything. Just it happens, and God takes care of it. And, and from one generation to the next, things happen. And and it's magical. And God says, you know, you don't apply logic to this. People don't try to figure this stuff out. At least then they weren't necessarily doing documentaries on, on, on all these animals and how they give birth in the wild and all that. And yet it goes on without humans having to be there. Right? We're not so important in the world in terms of the world going around as, as we might think we are, right? Um, and it just goes on and on. Um, 
in, in, in what you mentioned, verse 4, the young ones are healthy, they grow strong, and they depart and do not return. How long are, are these animals with their parents? Again, some up to three years. Most often, it's like one year, and, and some sooner. Some never see, right? Fish never see, right? a, lot, a lot of like, reptiles never see, <laughs> boom, and gone, and they survive, and one generation moves to the next, and we're like, oh, it's 18 years old, oh, they're getting ready to graduate, I'm not sure if they're going to survive this. <laughs> Verse 5 through 8. Who set the wild donkey free and loosed the bonds of the onager? We'll talk about these in just a second here. Whose home I have made in the whose home I have made in the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling. He scorns the tumult of the city. He does not heed the shouts of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searches after every green thing. Um, so there's discussion as to whether this is a single animal or two animals separately. Um, and um, there's, it's a, some sort of a donkey. There's an animal called the Persian onager. Um, uh, these are, both of them are nearly extinct versions of a donkey. There's a couple hundred that exist. Um, and anyway, uh, the point being what the point being what 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 is he trying to drive at here with with Job? I, I got a, a, some more questions. Okay, these animals are designed for unhospitable situations. <laughs> Why would God do that? Why would God do that? We, we look at these look at unhospitable situations. How does human survive in unhospitable situations? Oh, my goodness. We have to figure it all out. It's like, well, how are we going to get electricity? We're, we're, we're going to have to dig a well. We're going to have to, uh, let's see, uh, what else are we going to have to do to survive? We've got to have, you know, how are we going to get food? How are we going to do this? We've got solar power because we're off grid. What are we, you know, <laughs> we're, 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 we have to, uh, and, and God makes these animals and go, okay, and then just walk out there and survive. And they're destined, that's like, that's where they want to be. Like, we, you know where we want to be? We want to be on the top of a mountain. And, or, or, or we want to be out in the desert somewhere. That's where we want to be. And we, we think we're really roughing it if we, you know, can do like two weeks in a something extreme. Wow, I went to extreme. Like, this is where they live. God says, yeah, I take care of them. I designed them to do that. That to me is amazing. Uh, and I think all of this as we're going through this is God's just showing you. I designed these things to illustrate who I am, and that I can, just because I can. Why God? Why, why God, what do you make an animal do that? Because I can. 
their adaptation. Uh, verse 9 through 12, he says, Will the wild ox be willing to serve you? Will he, be, will he bed by your manger? Can you bind the wild ox in the furrow with ropes? Will he plow the valleys behind you? Will you trust him because his strength is great? Or will you leave your labor to him? Will you trust him to bring home your grain and gather it to your threshing floor? Uh, some of you, if you have an old version, it says unicorn. It is not a unicorn. There is nothing in this word that means one horn. So some people have thought that this is a rhinoceros because one horn, well, there is an animal with one horn, and it seems to be a pretty strong animal, but this word simply means to stand up. That's to rise up is what it means. Um, and a lot of people think that, I mean, again, it's, it's not really that important. There's, a, there's an old animal um, and the, the, uh, the allusion is to some type of animal that might thresh grain, right? Uh, which you would not use a rhinoceros for that. But there is a similar animal uh, to our cattle that is now extinct. They're trying to somehow bring it back, you know, using other DNA but, and crossbreeding. But it was called an auroch. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, <clears throat> there is an Italian um, ox called the Chianina ox. It is the largest of oxen in the world. It's about the same size. It is, it, it is wild. Now imagine something like that, but untamed. And that was the Oroch. Uh, uh, just that immensity of, uh, I mean, they are about 2,500 pounds, just to, to get a rough idea. Most cattle are like around 15 or 1700, I think, something like that. Just huge. I mean, it's not as big as like a bison, which is 3,500 pounds, but, but imagine a, a cow, you know, two, two or almost three fourths the size of a bison <laughs> and wild, like, a, like a, a Mustang is wild, you know. A, a Mustang is hard enough to tame and break. And he says, Will you tame this animal? Go ahead, try that. See how that works for you. Right. Um, maybe over generations, you could possibly do that. But, but to go out and get one and say, here you go, please pile, pile my field. Right. So what is, what is God driving at? What, what is impressive about God here? What is impressive? Yeah, I just decided to make just just to design an animal you know, that is powerful. I think in in creation, God God gets an idea, and, and He is creative, and, and we have this same spirit in us. We like to to create and make. And I think of an artist, and an artist might want to do this kind of a painting today. Well, I'm going to try this and, and, and channel my energies this way. And I want, some, and just randomly, I, I want to do this or that. And, um, and God says, I want to create a, a powerful thing. I want to illustrate my power. I'm going to make an aura. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not abstract. 
unless you consider the platypus. That's a rather abstract animal. Um, that's God's abstract art. But it, you know, there's just there's just some things. God says, I want I want to show this aspect of me. I want to show you my power. Um, and then we come to verse 13 through 18. This is the wings of the ostrich. Some years might say peacock. The, the, the items through here are going to be more a reference to an ostrich. And the word simply means to cry. It's like a loud, obnoxious sound, which both, the, both birds do. I can attest to the peacock. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but the, the ostrich is a little obnoxious as well. But um, he says, are her wings and pinions like the kindly stork? So um, she leaves her eggs on the ground and uh, warms them in the dust. She forgets that a foot can crush them or that a wild beast can break them. She treats her young harshly as though they were not hers. Her labors in vain without concern because God deprived her of wisdom and did not endow her with understanding. When she lifts herself on high, she scorns the horse and its rider. Yeah, we're going to look at some of this. Uh, it is interesting uh, because it is describing an ostrich. Um, she is, she does lay. Um, she just kind of, are these cruel animals? Right? And there's some people that have argued some of these things. And, and as you go through these, is it, well, she's not cruel. They, they care for eggs and whatnot. The, just the, what this is describing is a, is a couple of things. They do lay their eggs on the ground. Um, a, there'll be, I don't even know what they call them, but there's like three or four hens together and, and one um, male. And they all put their eggs in this huddle. And whoever the dominant female is will warm them. He's like, well, they take, she takes care of them. They actually take turns, the male and the dominant female. And she makes sure hers are in the center. And she kicks out any, any that, like if they get more than 40, she'll, that's because that's as much as they can incubate, she'll kick out the others. Um, she's a little cruel. Um, but it's not just that. If she thinks that they've been discovered by a predator, she'll step on all of them, even her own, and go build a different nest. <laughs> just, it's just weird. And sometimes they accidentally step on their own. <laughs> just, it's a dumb place to put them. Um, she does, she is exactly like it says, she, she treats her own like strangers. Once they are hatched, she does nothing with them. It is exclusively the male that takes care of the chicks, exclusively. And so everything in here, God is describing, likely Job didn't know any of this, <laughs> Why, after we're talking about all these great attributes, God says, behold the dumbest bird on the planet. You're trying to, to show all of your great attributes to Job, and then you, you pick out the dumbest creature on the planet, essentially. Why? How has that impressed Job? Well, they're not, they're not, that doesn't seem to be a shortage of <laughs> How do they survive? They're dumb. This is God's answers to Charles Darwin. Right? Survival of the fittest. No, the ostrich. <laughs> the ostrich should not be here. 
but it is. In great quantities, not endangered. That says, because of me. I can, to show you my power, I can create the stupidest thing that you've ever considered and have it survive in harsh elements with predators. Can't even fly. Can run fast, can't fly. Verse 19 through 25. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage. Nor does he come to a stop because the trumpet has sounded. And at the blast of the trumpet, he says, aha, he smells the battle from afar and the thunder of captains and shouting. Now, you have horses. Does this describe horses to you? It does. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. We put blinders on horses, don't we? Okay. I had a, a guy, he had a horse. He bought horses for his daughters. And there was a, a windy night, stormy night. They were out. And they, they had like a little paddock or whatever. They could go in, they could come out, whatever. It was open. And they were out in it. it the dumbest things you've ever had. And, um, and all of a sudden, he wakes up like one in the morning and, and it's just they're neighing and braying and uh, like, what in the world? So he goes out there and there's a little piece of tinsel that like blew and got caught on one of the posts and it's just fluttering. And that thing was beside itself. I'm reading this and I'm like, I remember what Barry said to me about these horses. They're, they're these fearless creatures and, and this does not look to me the same. So I don't know if it can be bred out of them. I don't know what. Uh, it is, is it interesting? It's, it's not my, I don't know if there's a breed thing, you know, I, um, or you know, I, I, I have no idea, I have no explanation, but, uh, but certainly over you know, up until recently in time, they've been used in battle for a reason. It's not because they're scared of tinsel. <laughs> you know, there's a thing called the cavalry for a reason. Um, and, and yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, uh huh. That is interesting that they, they just run straight and I'm running. Uh. Yeah, that, I suppose maybe, and maybe that's what makes them good is, is you know, I mean, that, that's kind of like a soldier. You're trained. Don't, don't think, just do. <laughs> that is, that's interesting. So I, I know nothing about horses. So, um, and, and maybe it is in that, that, that knowledge is what makes you and I afraid of death. Uh, you, a soldier knows what's coming. You know, was it in World War II when they were crossed, um, uh, over to Normandy, they had to have one person in the boat with a gun to say, if you do not get out of this boat, I will shoot you. <laughs> well, you uh, don't have to have that for a horse. Right? 
they just do. Uh, and so uh, God has created this animal and created it for a reason. Um, um, and maybe this strikes at Job. Job has felt what? Because of his circumstances. How has Job reacted to his circumstances? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's caused him to start questioning God. And, and who God is. Whereas... God's telling, a horse doesn't question me. They just, they just do. Don't question me. Right? I created you. Don't question me. And then um, verse uh, 26 through 30. He says, does the hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings towards the south? Does the eagle mount up as your, at your command? Does he make its nest on high? On the rock it dwells and resides in the crag of the rock and the stronghold. From there it spies out its prey and its eyes observe from afar its young ones. Uh, its young ones suck up blood where the slain are. And there it is. So, so what is he describing in here? Some different things actually about birds. He finishes with birds. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So there's there's certainly that there's that that. It, Intelligence. What 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 other elements of birds? The, these types of birds, birds of prey and scavenger birds. What what is, else does he describe among them? An eagle's eye. We have the phrase an eagle eye. They, they can see a rodent about that big from two miles away. This is incredible. It, it just <laughs> what God says. I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to make this. Uh, talks about the hawk flying. Right? We, we think we're impressive with some of the things we make, and animals do this by instinct. Essentially, hawks hang glide. They turn towards the south. Why the south? What comes from the south? And how do hawks fly? What's special about air from the south? It's warm. Hawks and these other animals ride updrafts. That's what they do. They just look for stuff and they just ride. They fall and then they just hit a turn south, hit warm air and just go up again. They almost don't, they almost, they almost never beat their wings. They, they're hang gliders and they can just do that for hours and hours and exert no energy till they see what they want. Oh, there's a, there's a mouse. It's amazing. Job would never have known this. Never observed this. And God says, all these little details that you have never paid attention to. I set all of these in motion. I did this in seven, six days. Actually, one day, if you want to talk about just the animal kingdom. 
I set this all in motion in one day. I took everything into consideration and put it in there. One day. Part of one day, because then I made you. There's an interlude in verse 1 through 5 of chapter 40. We're going to get to what people like in this, in this chapter here in a second. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. I like this. Job answered and said, Behold, I'm vile. What should I answer you with? I lay my hand over my mouth. I've spoken once, but I'm not, I'm not going to answer anymore. Yes, twice even, but I am going to proceed no further. I don't know what he's referring to once or twice. I've answered maybe, maybe talking about the times that he had wished an audience with God and a trial. There's a couple of those. Or maybe it's just a, some sort of poetic reference. So the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind again and said, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you could be justified? Do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Well, then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor and array yourself with glory and beauty. Disperse the rage of your wrath. Look on everyone who is proud and humble him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Tread down the wicked in their place. Hide them in the dust together. Bind them, bind their faces in hidden darkness. Then I will confess to you that your own right hand can save you. What's he driving at here? Because he's going to go launch back into animals here, two of them. And, uh, and he's, but this sets it up. What's he talking about? What contrast between God and Job? I'm telling you what I'm capable of and I'm telling you what I've done. Yeah. So this is who I am, I'm God. Mm-hmm. And you by by saying what you did and thinking like you did and behaving the way you did, you've in essence annulled right. my judgment to, to justify yourself. Right. You've done. Yes. It's like it's like you you've done injustice to me. And so he goes on to say afterwards. You know, if you have an arm like God, and all the scriptures that talk about the arm of God, you know, is, is about, you know, administering justice. Right. That you can't even save yourself. Right. Right. But you're going to condemn me. Okay. So he, he talks about his rage. He, he says, go get, go get angry. And, and if you, when you get angry, can you do what I do when you get angry? What happens when you get angry? You break a knuckle. You break a foot, done that too. You hurt yourself. Do, do you set things right when you get angry? Do, 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 does the world go, whoa, Andrew got angry. It's time to change the system. Andrew's angry. When God gets angry, what happens? Oh. It, world's flood. Okay, there's no more of that going on. Or, or yeah, that that place is now the lowest spot on the on the on the planet, right? It's like, like that's that's what happens when God gets angry. 
God fixes things in his anger. Our anger is, is self-destructive. You can't, you can't even fix anything with your anger. And so he's going to proceed to talk about two things. And I, I don't want to get off the point, but I do want to address them. And we're going to talk about one with the remainder of our time today, and we'll address one the next. Uh, we're going to look at a land one and a sea one. Okay, and the uh, again, we're, we, there's only so much detail we can go into. The, this one is a little bit shorter than than uh, we're going to talk about behemoth, what that is, what that may be. Um, but we do want to end with the idea of what he's trying to do, right? And and regardless of how we interpret this, because there's a, a variety of ways it's interpreted, um, we still want to get the point of what it's about and not get too lost in the details. But we have to go through some details. So <clears throat> he says, um, look at the behemoth, which I made uh, along with you. He eats grass like an ox. See now his strength in his hips and his power is in his stomach muscles. He moves his tail like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like, um, uh, his bones are beams of bronze and his ribs like uh, bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Only he who made him can bring his sword near him. Surely the mountains yield food for him and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus trees in a covert of reeds and marshes. The lotus trees cover him with their shade. And the willows by the brooks surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he's not disturbed. He's confident, even though the Jordan would rush into his mouth, though he takes it in his eyes, or one would, uh, or one pierces his nose with the snare. So, I'm going to look at two chief animals, and this is, as we say, the the that's a marsh dweller. Right? Um, we want to ask the question: Are these literal? or poetical, right? Are, these, are the things that we are going to look at, are these absolutely literal? Are all the references literal or are they poetical? Um, and there are really two options that, that people look at. Um, and it depends on how you determine if it's absolutely literal or absolutely poetical. Right. So some say this has to be some sort of a dinosaur. It does, I mean, um, and there's, we're going to look at some of the, the things which lead to that. In Hebrew antiquity, this was referred to as the, what we call the water horse or the hippopotamus. That's, what, uh, and that's how they interpreted it. We'll go through um, both ideas. Um, so... Okay. All right. So, so we. Okay. So if it's if it's if it's if it's literal, then he has bronze bones. Is it poetical or is it literal? No, we can't say it's poetical here or literal here, and it's not literal here. In other words, do we want all of the things to be literal? We can understand it as poetical. 
Now, we can say it's poetical, not figurative. Now, there's a difference between saying it's poetical. This is a real animal. This is not figurative. This is not symbolic of something. Right? This is a real thing, whatever it is, has lived on the earth. Okay. Uh, yeah? The only thing that, I mean, the reason why I would lean towards literal okay. is because it would be one thing if he were to say his, his tail is a cedar. Mm-hmm. Here, at least the way this is translated, it says they're like cedar. Okay. Right? And the, the sinews of his sides are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze. Right? It does, like is not in the original there. That's oh, italicized. Well, this is in my... Okay, that's italicized. The, the second part of that, where it talks about being like iron, that is in there. The word like is in there, but in the first phrase, that is not. That Most Bibles will have that italicized. Combine the two. Well, the pecan, you know, the tail is so strong, and it's a reference to the, to the cedar. So okay. The tail, uh, tree, All right. Okay. So, okay. You're right. You're absolutely right. And we're going to look at some of these details. So I want to first begin the way I've always, and, and maybe this is accurate or maybe this is good or not. I don't know. But. The way I always approach scripture is I take the simplest way to interpret it first until it no longer becomes feasible. If it's not feasible, we'll move to something more dramatic, right? Okay, so Jesus is not a literal door. He's speaking figuratively, right? That would be ridiculous. Or or some of these, there's not going to be an animal with seven heads and ten horns running around on the world. So we understand that as figurative. But where we can understand something literal, let's try to do that. Uh, where, where something has the simplest thing. So, so where I would begin, we'll break these down very quickly and look at, could this be a hippopotamus? We'll look at the things in which it could be. We'll look at some difficulties if we were to interpret it that way. Uh, and see if those have explanations, and see if then things couldn't be a dinosaur. So, so you see what I'm saying? What what sounds like it could be this? What what are in the middle? And let's try to come up with a view. Um, first of all, he begins describing it. It is a grass eater primarily. It's a it's not just a vegetarian, but it primarily eats grass. Hippopotamuses. of their diet is a hippo. And the only time they eat anything else is if they can't find grass. They live in marshes. Okay. And that's that we're going to get, we're going to get to the point. Right. Um, Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, right? Yeah. There's, I think there's a, a, a natural desire when God talks about something mysterious to us, we want to try to figure it out. If it's there to figure out, then there's nothing wrong with figuring it out, right? No, but it was preserved for us. It was preserved for us. Yeah. When he was when he was talking to Job, yeah. 
Job understood the references he was making. Yes. So he was talking about things that Job understood. Right. It wasn't that one point that he said, you know, like afterwards he said, you know, I'm vile, but could you just go back and explain that animal? I've never, I've never seen an ostrich before. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? What is that? What is that crazy bird so you're talking about? Was, yeah. I think that's great, actually. I've never heard that before. I think that's politically a vote, but I, Job understood it. Right. He was right. In a way right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we describe a strong loin and belly, right? We describe thick, heavy bones, obviously not bronze or iron. Um, he is a land animal, but he's regularly in or by water, right? It describes, a, it describes an animal in the Jordan right, with the water rushing into his mouth, drinking it up. And uh, of land animals, this is interesting. You don't find land animals out in the, they'll cross it, giraffes and elephants. And you, if you watch them, they cross it. You find hippos in it. In fact, you, hippos don't swim. You know that? They walk. They just walk under the water. <laughs> they, they don't swim. They, they're, too, they're too huge to swim. They, they just, they grab a big gulp of air and they walk underwater. Boom, 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 boom. Then they come up and boom, 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 boom. <laughs> um, and, and it describes a lazy, right, but violent animal. And you see that in here. It's lazy. He lays under the, in the marshes, just kind of, but violent. In Africa, there are more humans killed every year by hippopotamuses than any other animal. To the tune of about 500 deaths a year. So they're lazy. You're going to pierce his nose and lead him around? Right. You're gonna you're gonna take him where you want, make him your servant? Nope. <laughs> no. A vegetarian. Okay, so we want to look at three things that are difficult because this is important. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. First of all, our hippos found in the Jordan. We think of these as Africa in a small location in Africa. There have been hippopotamus, like you said, this is something that Job has to be acquainted with, right? Way down south in Africa is not where Job is in the area of. However, that's from, there's a receding population. And if we go back, we find hippo um, um, fossils in Galilee, as far north, just, just south of Galilee. So they are known to be in the Jordan. Um, so that's an area that Job would be more acquainted, certainly, than with the Nile or whatever other, there's another river. That was, that was the cedar tail hippo. Yeah, the famous cedar tail hippo. Uh, secondly, he says the 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 mountains provide their food. A hippo has never gone into a mountain. They don't do it, right? Whatever. Um, it doesn't say he goes into mountains. It says the mountains provide their food. You look at the Jordan River. You come out of the Jordan, and what goes up? Boom, mountains. It's mountains immediately. And this is the area where Job would be. Job's not down in Africa where there's no mountains next to the water. And so the, the description, I think, is of... Here's this animal, a vegetarian, 
And he talks about all these animals, all these wild animals going on around him. You notice he's untouched. Here's all these, these prey, animals of prey, and he's untouched. And just takes his food. Well, all these, in all of these things going on around him in the mountains and all, he gets his food right there, and nothing is touching him. And tail like a cedar. Now, the first thing we say is, well, tail like a cedar. Right? It doesn't, yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, so dinosaurs, the ones that we all describe are called sauropods. If you, if you look them up, they all are described as having a whip-like tail, not a stiff tail. If it was the size of a tail, a cedar is 120 feet long. Right? A, 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 an animal with a 120-foot tail could not support itself under its own weight and certainly couldn't lie down under a lotus tree. It would not be that big. So again, we, we, this is poetical. Look up what hippos do with their tail. Do you know what they do with their tail? No. In their aggression, they use it to fan their feces. They move it like this. And they flip their feces up to 30 feet. And that tells everything in the area, get away because you are about to die. It is disgusting. It's funny at the zoo, too. There's lots of videos. <laughs> YouTube videos of hippo anything are hilarious. Um, and I want to get to the point. Remember, and I know we're over time, but I want to get to the point of all this. Um, it is well suited to prove any point, whether it's a dinosaur or not. Right? It doesn't make a difference. It is, this animal is well suited to prove a point. I can make a vegetarian that everybody in the world is afraid of <laughs> that you don't want to come near. It's a vegetarian. It doesn't even eat humans. It'll chew you up and spit you out literally. God's character can be calm and he can chew you up and spit you out. Job, don't question me. This is my power displayed. So if you want a personification of God's power, go to YouTube and click Hippo Verses and watch what comes up. They are not afraid of lions. They're not afraid of elephants. They're not afraid of rhinoceroses. They're not afraid of alligators. They're not afraid of crocodiles. They're not afraid of anything. Doesn't say they always win. They're not afraid. God says, this is, when I display my anger, this is the personification of what I do. Your anger can't do this. I'm usually nice. I'm usually docile. But I have a mean streak. I'm not tameable. When you talk to me, you need to have more respect, Job. And that's the picture. Dinosaur, hippo, whatever. I don't care. That's the point. All right, we're going to close.